Dano, can you believe we're finally doing a podcast? How long have we been talking about this? Uh, forever. I think forever. I think uh, all the way back to Reached, which was uh, back in what? I, I Forever. Uh, forever ago. So. Mesozoic era. Thank you, Rob, for making this happen. Absolutely. Can't wait. Um, okay, so what are we here to do? So uh, we're going to talk about a uh, topic that you and I are both very passionate about, um, I think in similar but also different ways, which is customer experience and customer engagement. Um, something I think we've both been working on and kind of thinking about for a long, long time. And why why this? Why is it different? Why there are, there are billions of websites out there that tell you how to improve CX? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, coming out of the brand marketing world, you know, I think CX is kind of the topic du jour. Um, it's a lot about customer experience design, journey mapping, all of these things. And I think the continued frustration I've had is then the separate, separate conversation, which I think you've been having is, well, how do you actually deliver those experiences? Like, how do you like take what you've designed and actually make them real um, with the right technology, um, et cetera? So I think that's what, that's why I'm excited about this ongoing conversation with you and, and, and that we've been having over the years. It's like, hey, yeah, there's this great customer experience, but then it's like, okay, well, how do we actually truly deliver that both in IRL and the real world, but also in a digital environment? Do you think that CX designers are constrained by their lack of vocabulary or the lack of crayons to color with because they don't know how it gets done? You know, I think we're in a really interesting point in time because historically what customer experience designers face was like, they design this thing and then they meet with their technology team and their technology team would say, yeah, that's like still science fiction. We can't do that, right? Where I think now the script has been flipped. Now my biggest fear is actually getting into these like design sessions around designing customer experiences and actually not knowing what's possible, like not knowing the technology enough to be able to fully explain the art of the possible, what actually technology can do because people aren't aware of that. Awesome. And I think that sort of art of the possible is what we end, uh, intend to tease out. You know, hey, we're going to get to naming this podcast in like at the later this year. I know we've still got working titles for it, but I think the art of the possible is actually a great one. I do too. So who are you? I am uh, I am a poor Poor kid from Illinois. No, I'm. Uh, I grew up in uh, Illinois from Chicago. I'm a brand strategist, customer experience designer, kind of by trade. Um, I've kind of lived in the consulting world, uh, kind of with with large brands, uh, kind of half of my career, and then my other half of my career actually um, with digital startups and actually building kind of experiences um, from scratch. Uh, that's clearly how you and I met. Um, but I think at the core of it, um, A, I'm a, a dad of three sons. Um, I'm a baseball lover um, and fanatic, huge Cubs fan, and just obsessed about thinking ar- around how do people and human beings behave and how do they engage and how do you actually create better experiences, whether, yeah, sure, it's a, a digital experience or um, kind of a personal experience or anything, like how do, how do humans interact? So to that right brain... I am the left brain. Is that fair? I, I think that is is very true. And uh, you know, although I will, will say you are the most right brained left brain person that I know. Thank you. I think so. <laughs> uh, I am a um, failed 
Marine aviator. Uh, didn't didn't get through Pensacola, but uh, ended up joining the Marine Corps and then founding some software companies. I love technology. I love gadgets. I have circuit boards all over my desk, and I love to figure out how to help people with technology. And Dan and I met, uh, I guess, five or six years ago now and um, worked on a startup. And it was a from scratch bespoke communication tool. Like, you know, if we were doing that today, it would be done in an afternoon or, or yeah. a weekend. So crazy stuff. Well, and I, I think what I loved about uh, Zopen Reached was, you know, everything that we were doing back then around how do you kind of use beacon technology to identify where people are and send them the right message at the right time to the right device with the right message, you know, is like you said, it's like now what everyone is trying to figure out, right? So whether no, you're- Absolutely. And, and, and I remember you and I uh, saying something to the effect of at the right time and add its content. And that's still true. Like if, if you're reminding me about an appointment and I'm not in appointment reminder receiving headspace, you're annoying. Seven minutes later when I need that reminder, I'm grateful. And that's the challenge is to, with enough behavioral data, ML data, preference data, and channel selection, make sure that we're delivering content, not spam. Well, and I think it's that channel piece that's so new too. And like, you know, you get an appointment, you send me an appointment reminder on email. Like, why, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Um, I, you know, unless it's like literally right when it's made and I can click, you know, put this on my, put this on my calendar, which ends up failing 75% of the time because that's still wonky. Um, but when you text it to me, you know, at the right time and you text it like right away and then also like the day before and then like half an hour before when I like, oh my gosh, I forgot and I'm running out the door. Like you said, it's, it's, you know, that's now valuable content that I can act on. So um, five years from now, what, what, what are we going to be talking about on this podcast? The art of the possible. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think the ever evolving relationship between kind of this easy effortless kind of experience that we all want. Right. You know, I think if you go pre COVID, everything was around um, speed, ease, and convenience. Like, and that was like what, those were the three key words for every experience designer. Yeah, but you know, what's hilarious. Everybody failed at all three, like pre COVID speed, ease, and convenience is a laughing riot compared to post COVID. And, and that's what was so amazing to watch is you watch these big brands that had really bad experiences, but kind of were almost like Byzantine emperors that could impose their will on you because like you just needed them. Right. Um, so going to the grocery store, like always sucked because, but you had to eat. Right. Or you, you know, you had to get in line at the drive through at, you know, um, at Chick-fil-A or someplace like that. Oh, Chick-fil-A always has done pretty well at that. Um, but they literally in the matter of like, they've been working years and years on these customer experiences. Then in a matter of two weeks, yeah, bam, like, I think that's that like the, the speed at which they, uh, like people just like switch their behaviors and like their risk tolerances. And like, they're like, then we're able to spin up these designs. I think for, for organizations that were a little bit more bureaucratic, now they're looking like, wow, we can operate and behave in a different way. Like, and that, I think that's what a lot of leadership across these organizations is, is realizing. And I think it's exciting and terrifying for them at the same time. I agree. In, in hindsight, I'm wondering 
what can we get? We have a lot of lessons from COVID. One of them is you can move wildly faster than you ever thought possible. How do we preserve that? How do we bottle that? Because my, my fear is that when we, quote, return to normal, we'll return to something faster than our old glacier speed, but nowhere near the velocity we had during the COVID response. Well, and that's my question to you as, you know, kind of both a leader and a technologist is that um, how, like, I think what people learned during COVID was there's also a lot of forgiveness. Like consumers were willing to go through like iterations of curbside pickup, for example, with you as you tried to get it right. And so like you, you would go to like Dick's Sporting Goods and you go through the first time you're like, oh God, that was so much, like, I'm so thankful I could pick up my, you know, my item was a little wonky, but I got it. Now, the second time you go through, your expectations are going to be higher and you're going to be like, you're not, you're going to have a less tolerance for static, but then you're also going to be also willing to see the change of like, oh, wow, it got better. That was cool. When's that like, as, as humans, when are we going to be kind of almost come out of COVID or come out of this tolerance, um, having lower expectations or willing to go through the muck with brands and then fully expect them now to you know just get it right. I think that that patience is permanent. Here's why: the there are still a lot of brands and a lot of customer experiences that are circa 1975. I have to telephone the people that work on my sprinklers, and they have an answering service at lunch, and you know facepalm right. If they were to innovate and be wobbly, I would totally forgive them because they were pointed in the right direction. So I don't think that consumer patience is a function of COVID. I think it's a pay, it's a function of earnest intent to innovate. So I, two comments there. One is that most of the people listening to this podcast were not alive in 1975, just so you know. Um, second... Um, I, I agree, but I think there's 75, your phone was wired into the wall. Right. And a lot of people still had party line where you just picked up. Right. right. Um, but, um, but I think you bring up a really important point that leaders have to be aware of is you have to be, you, you have to have a contract with the customer that you are working on and demonstrating that it's getting better. Like you, people will only give you the permission to ha- like permission for what you're talking about is if they are seeing clear signs of improvement going forward. Absolutely. Totally so agree. it's not like you can't just do it once and say, okay, we did that once. And now like now next year, we'll figure out what we're going to do next year. That's a recipe for failure, I believe. Uh, totally. And I've, I've up until now, I've been resisting saying CX is a new brand because I know you hate that, but as people, as companies need to continually improve their brand experiences, they got to, this is not a one and done. Uh, you know, and Drayson said it well many years ago, every company is a software company. And that may, that may sa- sound outrageous still today, but I can tell you in the last eight months, how many companies um, I have worked with that were not tech companies, air quote, that by golly, are now tech companies, and, well, I mean, and as a matter of necessity. Now, yeah, go on to LinkedIn, pick a company that you think is just a not non-tech company, like a brick and mortar, old school, and then just 
you know, go in and Google that brand's name and then software engineer. And you will see <laughs> like how many people are going to hit. Like, like there's going to be yeah. pages of them. Right. Um, and I so, but let's, let's unpack a little bit. The CX is, is brand. I think, you know, I, I think that's, um, it's a term that said a lot, I, you know, I think my disdain for it is much more around, um, people just saying that and then stopping the conversation more than anything else. So I think, you know, as you go through the evolution, right? Like, you know, brand is product, brand is service. Now we're well, as so brand is to experience. Set that up better though. This, you're, what you're going through is sort of the archaeology, the archaeology of what a brand was. It used to be your product because the products were unique, and then products became less unique and services became unique. Now continue. Yeah, no, and so I mean, I agree with you that now it is all about experience because if you if you deconstruct what a brand is, you know, a brand literally is just the perception someone has of something, right? And so, how are those perceptions formed? They're um, they are, how are those perceptions formed? Like they're formed through experiences, right? So you have an experience with someone, a company, something, and it's a good experience, a neutral experience or a bad experience that gets lodged somewhere in your brain so that, you know, the next time you want something, need something or hear that thing, you know, that's stirred up, you know, and then boom. So that's what a brand is. Like, yes, I think. Let me try a new definition on it. It just occurred to me. The the brand is the consumer's expected emotion when they anticipate interacting with that company the next time. No, that's yeah, that's interesting. I you know, like I'd add outcome and emotion, but yeah, it's like it's almost like, like the am I, like, am I what am I getting myself for calling my cell phone carrier? Like shoot me now, or <laughs> well, let's move on because we're 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 at fourteen and cool. uh, our commitment to the to the listeners is uh, to keep this short and punchy. So what's coming up? We've got um, API is restaurant menu. Those of you that know me or are going to begin to know me know that I uh, can't can't walk past a metaphor. Omni-channel and multi-channel and the difference between the two. This topic we're on right now of how does CX affect brand perceptions. Building versus buying. This, this is what we were just talking about a second ago. Um, what do you think about building versus buying, Dan? Well, I, I think, you know, if you're going to create a differentiated customer experience that's different than your competition, it's really hard to get that off the shelf, right? So you need, you're going to need to build things in order to deliver that customer experience that you want. But it goes back to that conver- conversation where it's like, this is what I was thinking about before. It's like, yeah, we want to like lay out this magical like journey that's amazing for people that deliver people what they want. If you want to make that real, nobody's going to be able to deliver that through, you know, through buying it. You're going to have to get into the flexibility of customizing that and building it yourself, right? At least it's to some extent. So, so I agree. I think we owe the potential listeners an opinion and an approach on how you can do that in the mid-market. Enterprises, you know, they've got the, you know, tons of people. They can reallocate budget. But what if, what if you're a 200-person company? How do you do that? What if you're a 100-person company? How do you do that? Yeah, I think let's dig into that. I also think we also have to be careful too. Like, it doesn't mean that you're not using SaaS or other, you know, other software products, right? But you, there, there is a level of build necessary in order to um, kind of maneuver them in a way that's kind of the way you want it to be, right? To deliver the experience. You design. So let, let's just take, for example, Marketo. You can't buy Marketo and set it and forget it. 
Right. If you're not constantly iterating with all the things that Marketo can do for your, you know, event-driven Marcom, then I think you're missing the boat. You're you're violating that build. Totally. Uh, what do you think about a couple tech labs like, um, you know, send SMS from a Google Sheet for everybody? Yeah, I think that's cool. I think it'd be fun to actually bring in some folks um, in these specific case studies, maybe that they've done some interesting things and have a little tech lab around that. That that's a great idea. And we'd love to get ideas from the people that are listening to this. What are your toughest questions, toughest problems uh, that we can find an expert to opine and and share their thoughts? Love it. Um, we are currently the podcast with no name. What do you think about that, Dan? I, I kind of like, so I'm, I'm, I'm loving art of the possible. Give your, give your 30 seconds on, um, six souls, which I think is a phenomenal concept. Um, and I think it kind of plays into almost like the archeology span again of customer experience design, going from touch points to moments to six souls and all and how they all kind of work together. So, uh, I love this notion of six souls, which I heard from a, um, work associate this during 2020 and the fundamental notion is that um, pictures like the pictures you take with the digital camera are composed of pixels so a piece of a picture is a pixel and only when you take them together do you see the full picture if you just look at a pixel it's going to be brown or red but the whole picture only comes if you assemble all the pixels similarly a sixel is an individual experience. It might be a reminder SMS. It might be click to call in a white pages application. It could be on-demand video for telemedicine. Each could one be, of those. And it could be an interaction with someone across the desk at a hotel. Absolutely. Too, it could be right. human. It could be call center, contact center, any of these things. Only when taken together. Do they create that, go back to this other definition, a reasonable emotional expectation in the consumer for what my next experience is going to be? One experience isn't going to do it. I'm going to need to touch your reservation department and your front desk and housekeeping and vacation planning. And then I get, okay, this is what this company is about. And we have to pay attention both to the full image, the full CX, but also the individual sixels, the individual experiences. And I think in your language, that would be a touch point or a moment. Yeah. Kind of these sixels come together or the, uh, the touch points come together in a designing a moment, right? Which, and we kind of can, can get into that. So we got about 30 seconds left, Rob, when we wrap this up, um, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally did it. Looking forward to the next one as well. Awesome. So we're looking for feedback. Um, we're looking for feedback on the name. We're looking for feedback on topics. Uh, if you have comments or suggestions, uh, please check the website. Uh, I think we're going to try to do this maybe once or twice or three times a month. Perfect. Awesome. All right. So for uh, Dan and Rob from the uh, Art of the Possible, we'll see if that sticks. The Art of the Possible podcast signing off. Talk to you soon. Love it. Thanks, Rob.